0: Hey everyone, welcome to God, Growth, and Gaff. We are three guys in our 20s that want to share with you our journey in developing big projects in our areas of small church ministry. Join us as we DIY our vision for the future and how we can help ministry leaders dream big on a small budget together. I'm Nathan. I'm Josh. And I'm Dylan. And we are glad to have you here. Well, hey, God, Growth, and Gaffers, we just want to welcome you back to yet another episode. I can't believe what, this is already episode eight that we have recorded and are doing. Um, So we're excited uh, just being able to be together again and be more consistent with what we're doing here. And the 4th of July, at the time of recording this, is right around the corner. So boys, I just got to ask, any fun plans or maybe what fun traditions have you had that you maybe want to continue this year or make your own.
1: I got nothing. We we've never done any traditions. I think, I think we're gonna do the general. What every single person does is grill out and mm. maybe buy a couple fireworks, and that's about all.
2: Nice. Yep. Usually, my uh, entire family goes down to my grandparents' vacation home down in Southern Illinois near a lake. However, this week or this year, I'm gonna be staying back. Uh, so I'll probably be joining you gents and whatever the heck we decide to
1: do. I was gonna say yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be down to us. So. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: was say usually my sister's birthday is on the 4th of July, so usually we do something mm-hmm. for her. Um, but I haven't been told what the plan is. So, like you boys, and I live two hours away from my family. So, we'll probably be doing something together. So, hopefully, lighting off some giant fireworks, getting in trouble, recording that's,
1: a podcast during fireworks exploding. In fact, we'll probably have to do that too. And a special an
0: episode after right after the fourth. I'm only a few days away from getting married. So, nice. that's probably on that's my cool. mind as well. <laughs> cool. <laughs> well, hey guys, uh, we just want to share today's topic. And um, we are talking about taking L's in the church. And what we mean by that is not talking about our losses, but rather three different aspects in the identity of being a small church. Um, I think as you may have already figured out in our podcast episodes, we are not a mega church by any means. We've this church, the church that we work at has been around for about 30 years. Um, and from our senior pastor, He's told us, you know, it's never been anything giant, but it's been something faithful and fruitful. And so what we want to talk about today is just some of these markers for identifying and kind of embracing the identity of being a small church. So I also want to ask you guys, what's been your church life experience? Has it always been small church? Has it always been a mix of both Um Once you became a Christian and said, I need to go to church, kind of what does that look like for you?
2: I actually started out at, I'd say a bigger church. Uh, We averaged about 1,500 to 2,000 people. It was a place called Believer's Church in uh, Madison. Um, So I was kind of used to a bigger congregation. Um, They had a pretty high-end professional band, uh, a bunch of people who got paid a full-time salary just to do worship. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was used to like super high, like, production quality, stuff like that. Um, and then a fairly large youth group in both elementary school age kids and also, like, people my age, so at the time, upper middle school. Um, so it was I was used to that. And it was a big change uh, when I ended up coming over here. But, yeah, that's my past experience anyways.
1: Yeah, I grew up in a church probably about the same size mm. of our church right now. And building wise, it was gigantic because it was an old Baptist church. Uh, mm. But but you know, congregation wise, we're probably sitting at around the the same amount. Uh, but for a little bit, for just for just a summer, I worked at a mega church. Mm. I interned at one, and um, it was a church of probably about I think I think about eight thousand or something mm. like that mm. between between <laughs> three campuses. So <laughs> the most the most intimidating thing that they told me is they were giving me a tour of the building once. And they said for their Christmas services that year. And I mean, they have services all week long, Mm -hmm. you know, they brought in about 26,000 people (laughs) throughout that week. And I was like, "Ah, ah, (laughs) what am I doing here? So, (laughs) um, so yeah, that was just a weird like summer of, of being in something Mm -hmm. that size. Uh, but for the most part of my life, I've been in a church about around 200, 250, hmm. something like that. Yeah, was
0: like, that was probably a culture shock more than anything. Like, <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah, 100%. Hmm. Unfortunately, it was during COVID. Um, um, it was the summer of 2020. So hmm. it wasn't the culture shock of like seeing a, that many people. It was the professionalism um, that they had that I had to experience. But unfortunately, literally the time that I got there and the week, that I left is the last week that they did online services. They started the week after it, huh? <laughs> So
0: talking about timing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's funny. Hmm. Yeah.
1: I think similar to you, Josh,
0: um, from when I was a Christian, when I became a Christian in high school, um, uh, we always attended, like, I don't want to necessarily say like a small church because when I picture small, I think 20 to 50, you know, 75 on a Christmas service. <laughs> um, but it's always been like a, Medium healthy sized church, you know, 150 to 200. Um, And honestly, I think I've always loved that. I've had some experiences with mega church fields or large churches with multi sites. And I don't know, it just doesn't, it's good. And I, and I admire the ministry and, you know, the way that they get to do so much outreach. And like you said, Josh, have such high professionalism, but nothing just beats getting to know those grannies in the church that, you know, are always cooking at every event and, you know, really having that bond with that family. And so, um, like I said, as, as we talk about that today, there's just some aspects and markers of being a quote-unquote smaller church that we just want to address and encourage more than anything, um, embracing that identity of of being comfortable almost of yeah, this is who we are, you know, obviously being aware of the things around you and and the things that have come before the church, but really knowing that there is fruit in being a smaller church, doing more intimate ministry.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, as we, as we jump into taking L's or I guess giving them in this context, (laughs) uh, the first way that we want to jump in is that we want to say that we're not bashing on mega churches in this podcast and we're not... I know there's a lot of churches our size, smaller, maybe bigger, you know, whatever that, that like to say, oh, mega churches are evil and they're all corrupt. And no, that's, that's not what we're saying. Some, some are not great. (laughs) Some have bad leadership. Um, but generally they're not all bad and they're able to do some really good work and they're able Mm -hmm. to do some things that churches our size, if you're listening to this generally aren't able to do. Right. And so we want to say first and foremost that like if you're a part of one of those churches, if you know people who are a part, if there's one in your city, it's a, it's a good thing to have a, a large congregation because that means you're able to speak to more people about Christ. Right. Oh, yeah. And so the first thing that we want to say, the first L that we have is we need to learn the trends of these churches. Mm. Right. We need a lot of times we need to hop on the trends of the mega churches that we have seen, right? And we see this context in, I mean, the, the modern church that we would say today, in, in quotations, the modern church, mm-hmm. is really based off of a lot of Willow Creek Church in, in the Chicago area, if you've heard of that, uh, of Hillsong Church, you know, these these big churches that kind of paved the way for modern ministry, and in a lot of ways, even if we don't want to say it, because we know what's happened at Hillsong. Mm-hmm. We, we've heard what's happened at Willow Creek. They're not, it's, it's not great <laughs> when you look in the large context, but in right. some ways what they've done has paved the way for the way that modern churches operate. And so I don't think we'd be doing half the stuff that we do if it wasn't for churches of 20,000 people that have done them first. Mm-hmm. right? And so what I what we do want to say is that in a small church ministry, we a lot of times cannot do what mega churches do, and by a lot of time I mean all the time. <laughs> we we can't do because we don't have the budget, we don't have the people, we don't have, <clears throat> we don't have the facilities, we don't mm. have whatever to be able to do to the level of what these twenty thousand people churches do, right? right? But we are able to learn from what they do and and try to incorporate it into what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but the danger comes in the comparison.
2: Yeah, I'd say one of the dangers of uh comparing yourself, because there's kind of a plus and minus side of this. Um but on the plus side, exactly that. It's you can choose there's a reason the trends are around. Um, mm-hmm. and it's because they they've been tested and they are the things that most likely are going to pull like outsiders to your church. Um, because although outsiders might see, you know, a traditional service and see people standing around in a circle humming hymns and immediately think cult or something of the sort because I've got a lot of friends who are um, either just not really involved in the church. And the one thing that will even pull their attention at all is when I say, hey, there's going to be a really fun event. We've got this, this, and this happening. And also there's like a live band, a light show, and immediately they're, you can literally see their face light up. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of how the world works nowadays. Um, so that's the reason that you do any sort of trends that you might get inspired by from a mega church. And then the minus side of things is you can very easily find yourself caught in this place um, as a small church where you just play the constant comparison game. And essentially, when you see all of these resources that these big churches have, it just becomes this game, or it becomes this game of always wanting more. Um, wanting more resources, wanting more of this and not being content until you have these things and you can literally play this game forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Hillsong, if they wanted to, could play this game where like, oh, we might have 25,000 people, but we want 50,000 people and then yep. we'll do this. Yep. Um, and it's just this endless spiral.
1: Yeah. What I thought was really interesting going off that point is, as, as we we were looking at it earlier, is that you hear of these churches, right? You, every, everyone knows Elevation, Hillsong, Passion. Um, these churches that you think are so big and and like the top of the of the world, right? But I, you know, we we were looking at the top ten churches, even in the U.S. Passion didn't even make it on the list. Hmm. Uh, Hillsong's not listed, and I mean it's it's Australia, but there's <laughs> there's American uh, campuses. Mm-hmm. The um, elevation is somewhere like five or six. So hmm. like these these huge churches that you think, you know, take the storm because of their worship bands or because of their pastors, right, that are on everything. Their congregations aren't even some of the biggest. It's uh it's it's just the way that they like market themselves and that they've that they've put themselves out there. And so we're not saying that <laughs> that it's it's a great thing to be like any of these churches or that we have to be like any of them. But I'm sure they themselves play that comparison game, Mm -hmm. right? Even Stephen Furtick probably compares (laughs) himself to uh, Craig Groeschel, who's the life church pastor. And they have a million campuses all over the place. And they have a gigantic congregation. Mm -hmm. But what I thought was funny is even, even learning about him, you know, is like, oh, you can't beat that. They have... I think they have upwards of 30 campuses throughout the U S and that's just oh. nuts. Yeah. Um, and you're like, well, there's, there's no way you can beat that. And then we look and we looked up the biggest church in the world and it's in South Korea mm-hmm. and it is a church of 830,000 members. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> so that if really you, blows everything out of the water. Uh huh. Yeah.
1: If, if, you know, we we find ourselves comparing ourselves to even the mega church down the street, mm-hmm. right? And even the mega church down the street, if they have two thousand people, is what I, I can't even do the math of that of how many it's whatever like one percent six, that is. One yeah. Hundreds, <laughs> something, yeah, something yeah. crazy of the biggest church in the world with almost a million people in it. Um so that's the the danger that we always put ourselves in, right? Is every time you're in a you're in a place, there's always gonna be. That bigger church, that that church with the more expensive stuff, with the better, the better speaking pastor, with the better worship team, with, um, you know, all all of these things. Right. Mm -hmm. And I even noticed that when I was in that church that I was in, you know, interning in for a while, is that even they would compare themselves to a church in like Arizona. Right. Hmm. And I'm like, if for some reason it seems like everyone was talking about this church in Arizona, Interesting. um, CCV is, is what it is, Christ Church of the Valley. Okay. And it's a, it's a very big and very, very popular church. And, but it seemed like, I'm like, why are you, this church in the middle of Illinois, always comparing yourself to this one in like Phoenix? That's a great point. Right. And, and this church in Illinois, it seems like everyone in the area kind of is like, oh, that's the mega church. Right. Yeah. That's even, even us who are we live forty five minutes away, we're like, Oh yeah, that's the mega church of the area. Mm-hmm. But they they exist in this place where it's like, oh, if we could only be like this Phoenix, Arizona church. Hmm. Right. And so what we wanna say with this is that every time you are able to look up, you can see the trends, you can see the the good things that they've done, but you can also see the the negative things that they've done right? And when we learn from the trends, there's a bunch of different things that we can learn from and that we have learned from throughout the years, even if you don't know it, right? And even if you say, oh, I'm not specifically trying to model my ministry off of elevations or off of Life Church or whatever, but the way that we use social media, that we have started to incorporate worship, that we use creativity in services, and if you haven't Listen to that episode. Go back; it's episode two. That's a good episode. (laughs) Episode three. Uh, There you go. The uh, the way that we even have multi staff, right? We've we've Mm. now made it so common to have multiple staff people, and that's because churches have have grown Mm -hmm. into into thousands of people, where you have to have multiple staff, right? It's no Mm. longer just the pastor that can take care of things, and so all of these ways that we have now just become so common to do ministry have stemmed off of these large churches. Um, But that doesn't mean that we have to be exactly like them. Mm. Yeah, I think that
0: reminds me, when we look at these other churches, I mean, you've said it perfectly, right? We think we just have to look at the next one. Mm -hmm. But that church is looking at the next one. And that one, you know, it's an endless cycle of someone's... It reminds me of the quote my dad used to always say, you think you're good at something, you're always going to find someone better, right? Mm. And so I think the beauty of ministry and the beauty of identifying where you are as a church is you're not only looking up to get these trends and and the way to kind of not necessarily just stay relevant, but keep up with the way that you can reach people in your society. Because if you take away the church, humanity itself is just progressing in a way where You know, in order to keep people's attentions, it's got to be shorter, quicker, more impactful. Mm. And so the church can learn from that in order to reach the lost because you have to know the lost. Yeah. Hmm. But I think that's part of it too, right? Is as much as you're looking up at the next church, quote unquote, to get the trends, you also need to be looking out. Whereas what are the people around you needing? You know, because even like what you were saying, right? This church in Illinois comparing themselves to a church in Arizona. Well, the needs are very different. The demographic is different. The cultural norms, standards, what's acceptable, what isn't, it's different. And so if we get so caught up in wanting to be this South Korean church, we're going to forget where we're placed and the mission that we've been placed for in the space that we're in. And so I think that's why for us, as much as we want to encourage, right, check out the trends, what's going on, what what works and what doesn't if we're being honest but also what do your people need mm-hmm. what does your community need does your community need another life church or elevation church or does it just need you to do what you're there to do
1: i i noticed that when we were this past weekend we were in indianapolis and driving down the highway or some of some of the roads it was like you saw big church after big church no
0: literally one of them had a play place in them it was insane
1: that wasn't they had a rock wall yeah (laughs) um and it was like it was like a mile long anyway you saw these gigantic churches one after another Hmm. and it was like wow those look cool those look those (laughs) like really dope you know but i was as you were saying that i was thinking like but how many people just need that small church like, how many, how many people don't want the rock wall church? <laughs> how many people don't want the the church you see from the side of the highway? You know, um, when looking outwards, is it the people that need the community, right, of a church of 200 people, of a church of 20 people?
0: Yeah, I mean, look at our own church. We've had people who come and have told us, like, the reason why we want to check you out is because, you know, we just went to the bigger church down the street and it just isn't the same feeling or experience or fellowship that we wanted and then we saw you guys who are smaller more intimate and that's what we're looking for and so again you know just wanting to circle around this point of don't get so caught up in looking up that you're forgetting about the needs that are right in front of you and that brings us to our second l that we want to talk about where not only are we learning from the trends but i'd even say more importantly that we're leaning upon scripture and what the scripture says us to be a church and what it really means. And I think what ties this point together really well is in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 17, Jesus is beginning to prepare to talk about the Last Supper and what it really means and how to partake in that, truthfully. But he starts with something else first. He says this, But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For... In the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. and I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead of his own meal. One goes hungry, another goes drunk, and literally it starts what? exclamation point. Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. And I think the beauty and the weight and the warning of the scripture reminds us that church isn't about us. It's not about what we want and how big we want to make our church and how great and mighty where we go before everyone else to eat. No, the goal of the church, rather big or small, your mission remains the same, to tend to those who are in need, to love the community that you're in, to focus less about being big and bad and better, but being loving and fruitful and caring to those. Even if that means having to put aside some of your own desires and even your own pride for the sake of your community.
1: I like the the difference, right, that the Bible gives in the two interpretations or the, or the two different instances of a large crowd, which in the, in the plus side, right. You have after the Holy spirit has descended on the apostles and Peter is filled with the Holy spirit. He goes out and gives his first sermon and 3000 people are saved right then and there. And it's like, wow, look at this first instance of kind of the mega church, right? Like mm-hmm. Peter being the head of the church gave his first sermon and, and it was to a insanely large crowd and that many people. And if it was only three thousand that got saved, how many do you think were actually there, right? Mm. And that could also only be talking about men. So <laughs> oh, so yeah. it could be nine, ten thousand people getting saved right right then and there. And so um so you have that instance right of this of this mega church. But then you have the other instance of Jesus in John 6. He just uh fed the five thousand he had just done, I don't know, some other some other miracles, right? That mm-hmm. that created this huge following. And as the people were following, they were grumbling with each other and they were complaining about some things. Mm-hmm. And they were arguing back and forth about whatever people argue about, you know, <laughs> all these things. And Jesus gets ticked yeah. off. And mm-hmm. he he turns around and I, I love how he says this because we hear this nowadays, right? We hear about communion nowadays, and it's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. You This is the you, body. this Yeah, is the this blood. is the body. You right. eat the cracker. You drink the grape juice, blah, 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 whatever. But that was the first time anyone's ever heard of that. And all, as these people are arguing and Jesus is getting ticked off, he turns around and says, truly, I tell you, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will not follow me. And wow. the amount that I could just sends up a uh, pin drop and people are like who the heck am i following right now right uh, like what kind of cannibal am i following <laughs> um
2: they must have taken it literally
1: oh yeah 100% well because to. because people started dropping off after that oh, right yeah. and and the the realization of that is jesus specifically chose his 12 right mm. his his close 12 people um to be in his circle and yes he developed a following and yes he wanted To speak to the masses, so that he could speak his his truth, you know, and and I don't want to say speak his truth; that sounds so twenty twenty three. He could speak Uh the truth, yeah, the only (laughs) truth, yeah, the only (laughs) truth, and so, um, you know, he obviously did this, but he also needed that group and that community, right? And so we sense these two different things, and then Nate, what what you read about just Paul saying like, y'all. Just stop it, <laughs> like just mm. if if it's gonna be like this, just stop meeting, huh, right? Yeah, um, that's a good point. When we when we focus so much on the numbers and we focus so much on having these these large gatherings just for numbers' sake, we lose sight of everything.
2: Yeah, and all of this infighting between the churches that were huge congregations either back then and you just see it now too, um, just kind of brings us to our third O which is loving the size of your congregation. In modern society, uh, everybody focuses on expansion over intentionality. And luckily, I think that's one thing that we have been good at, even just this year in general, um, is instead of just focusing rapidly, expanding, you know, doing as many things as possible, we focus on some expansion, but it's literally just how can we reach people who wouldn't normally be here But a lot of what we focus on is discipleship and intentionality.
0: Yeah, and even as we're kind of talking about this last point, it actually reminds me, yesterday in our young adult group, we were talking about the concept of money, which is kind of correlated if you think about it. Um, But specifically, we were talking about the parable of the barns. And when when you have this abundance, right, it instantly our, our mindset is, well, we just need to grow bigger and grow better, mm-hmm. and what Jesus says is like, but that's not really what I'm asking you to do if, if you're just planning on hoarding or making it for your own self-kingdom, and I think in the same way, like what you were talking about, Dylan, you know, our heart with doing ministry is we're not trying to make Cornerstone Church like the Church of the Black or, you know, all the good Christians go there. It's like, no, what we what we are given... I mean, that's, that's true, though. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> One day, no. Yeah. But like what we are given, the heart behind it isn't to build up mm. a bigger cornerstone kingdom, right? It's mm. not about the castle that we're living in, mm. but it's about using what we have and what we're doing to give back to the people in our church, right? And like you were saying, with the hospitality team, the heart isn't to, to just make our church better. I mean, obviously that plays a part in it, but really the heart is like, just how can we love the people coming into our doors? And in the discipleship, the discipleship isn't indoctrinating people in cornerstone ology and making it about how can you be a better cornerstone church goer? It's how can you be a better Christian? How can you yeah. grow in your faith? And that's the heart. It's, you know, we can't get caught up in, man, I wish this church was bigger and I wish this church is more and was like Stephen Furtick. It's like, no, with what we have, We want to love what we are given. We want to care about what Jesus has given us and is placed in our hands to steward, right? And part of it will grow naturally, but that's not on us. We're not the ones who's growing the seeds. We simply plant and water, and that remains true even in church.
1: Well, and two, what I've noticed over the past kind of year or so has been when you don't focus necessarily on growth And your, and your sole focus isn't on how do we get more people in the door, but it's how do we invest in the people who are currently here? Guess what happens? Growth, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and our, I feel like in the past few years, ever since COVID, our mission has been get people back, get people in seats. Mm -hmm. Our, our mission is to just fill this place up and, and we need to get back to our numbers. Right. And that's what a lot of places have been because COVID Ripped apart everything, <laughs> decimated. But what we've kind of been doing the past year is just okay. We have these people in in the door, right? We have these faithful people. How do we invest in them? You know, in in the little things and the big things. And we've we've talked about this that before on this podcast. Uh, but how do we invest in those people? And in return, guess what those people do? They invite others because they feel like they're receiving something, right? And so our our mission cannot be solely let's become the biggest church on the block. Let's become uh, the South Korea church of 830,000 people. I don't that's, even think we
2: have that many people in the county. Even, no, we definitely don't. We, no, we don't. <laughs> no. I can't even wrap my... That's like a third of Chicago or something all going to one church. Yeah. All at once. That's, wow.
1: So anyway, our, our goal cannot be just... Numbers, right? Our goal has to be internal growth, which results in external.
0: Yeah, I think it, it just reminds me, like, I think Jesus' heart for us as Christians, as churchgoers, is don't worry about the size. Don't worry about, you know, are you doing enough to reach the masses? It's like, that's his job. He calls us to be faithful and obedient. We have to love the people that are in our doors because when we at the, at the staff level can love our congregants, it's a trickle-down effect. They're going to be reaching people that we probably will never interact with. I mean, our job is literally in the church. Hmm. How much are we getting out, right? How much are we having a real job? Not saying that ministries are, in, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but, but in the sense of like we, we aren't really the ones... Out there, if you think, if you're honest with yourself, mm-hmm. as a small church leader, you're so invested in staying here and, and committing to the church because there's a lot to do here. <laughs> and, and
1: trying to keep things afloat. Right. That's, that's fair. <laughs> and so
0: when we're focused, is less about, oh my gosh, our our pews aren't filled. Or why aren't we where we were 10 years ago when we were booming? It, but it's like, how can I just love the people that we're with now? How can I just show that the consistency isn't in our size, but in our love? Mm that's when we begin to receive the rewards from Jesus, which is more people to love on and more people to help us love. And I think that's, again, <laughs> that's, that's where we're at today is, is we want you, you know, this is probably listening is all the small church leaders as well, is love where you're at. Don't be discouraged at the size mm-hmm. because I think about in the Old Testament, David's mighty men, it was three dudes taking on an entire army, three guys, and what motivated them wasn't that they wanted to be more was that but it, it was just the faithfulness and the love that they had for David to fight armies to get him a drink of water can we say that we're doing the same for our people
1: as we wrap up today i just want to recap you know the 3 Ls that we've talked about so far which are learning the trends leaning on scripture and loving the size and so <sighs> We wanna just say as we're as we're ending this episode that whatever amount, you know, of people that your church has, whatever amount of money <laughs> that your church has, however your church operates, it is a good thing to be used in the ministry of God. And it's it's a good thing to be whatever size you are, right? If you're listening to this and if you are a church of multiple thousand people, then good for you. Keep doing the ministry that God has called you to and keep changing lives on the maximum scale. And if you're a church of nine people, because I know one of those in the area, (laughs) (laughs) if you're a church of of nine people, love on those nine people like you're a small group and that you're deeply invested in each other's lives like a family. So as hard as it is to not compare yourself, right, to the churches that are up and up and up the ladder from you in, in size and in everything, be thankful for the place that God has called you to and it's a hard thing to do sometimes right to be to be thankful if you're in a church of 20 people and you have no money and and everything or if you're in a church of a lot of people and you're so stressed beyond belief you can't speak right but be thankful for where God has called you because you're there for a reason and there is no such thing as a ministry too small and there is no such thing as too good for wherever you're called that's good so as we end boys you already know what time it is it's time for the question of the week so my question is you get a million dollars sitting right in front of you if you sing any song correctly word to word like you get no mistakes and the alphabet doesn't count or twinkle twinkle none of these little kids songs matter right it has it has to be an actual song uh, you get ten, or you get a million dollars if you sing it exactly, <clears throat> exactly right, word for word. What song you picking?
2: Immediately, Graves into Gardens, because I've already done it.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. That's that's easy. That's pretty good.
0: I think for myself, I would have to pick the super classic, Mister Brightside by The Killers. Really? Yeah, I'm coming out of my cage, and I've been doing just fine. Gotta gotta get down. You know, I just that song is so. Iconic and just it's nostalgia that I feel like the minute the
1: guitar intro would start, all the lyrics would come to my mind. Hmm. All right, that's respect. I would have to say, kind of a kind of a wild card here. Uh, Can't Hold Us by Macklemore. And that's a that's a dangerous song to do cuz it's a rap.
0: That's coming from the guy whose nickname in high school was White
2: Lightning cuz he wanted to rap. <laughs> hey, bring it back. So,
1: I would I would have to pick that song cuz I remember when I was like 13 years old watching the the YouTube lyric video and it was an orange background and it was so 2013 or whatever, but I but I know that I was sitting there memorizing every single lyric and I can probably still do it. Oh, good. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, y'all, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to our song choices and more importantly, what it's like to love your church, no matter what the size. And without further ado, I'm just going to pray us out of here. Dear Lord, God, thank you um, for equipping us and for putting us where you want us, Lord. Whether that is in a tiny little church in the middle of nowhere, or whether it's a gigantic church right in the middle of the heart of New York. Lord, wherever it is, God, we thank you for putting us and for placing us um, exactly, Lord, where you've called us to. And may we continue to be faithful. May we continue to love our congregations, to develop in the community around our congregations. um, And Lord, to just do your ministry in what you've called us to. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.